You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. We hear God's word this afternoon in Matthew 28 and also in John 16. We read these passages in connection with what we consider in Lord's Day 18 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Concerning the Apostle Creed confession, he ascended into heaven. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. We continue reading in John chapter 16, the verses 5 through 16. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is good, for it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, 
He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. We'll now turn to our confession in Lord's Day 18 of the Heidelberg Catechism. What do you confess when you say he ascended into heaven? That Christ, before the eyes of his disciples, was taken up from the earth into heaven, and that he is there for our benefit until he comes again to judge the living and the dead. Is Christ then not with us until the end of the world, as he has promised us? Christ is true man and true God. With respect to his human nature, he is no longer on earth, but with respect to his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, he is never absent from us. But are the two natures in Christ not separated from each other if his human nature is not present wherever his divinity is? Not at all, for his divinity has no limits and is present everywhere. So it must follow that his divinity is indeed beyond the human nature which he has taken on, nevertheless is within this human nature and remains personally united with it. How does Christ's ascension into heaven benefit us? First, he is our advocate in heaven before his Father. Second, we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that he, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. Third, he sends us his spirit as a counter-pledge by whose power we seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and not the things that are on earth. Dear congregation of the ascended Lord Jesus Christ, it happened one evening as a family was reading the Bible after supper. Dad opened the Bible and announced, tonight we're going to finish reading through the Gospel of Matthew. Jeffrey listened as Dad read the amazing story about Christ's resurrection from the dead, about the earthquake and the angels who rolled the stone away from Jesus' tomb, the women meeting up with Jesus. Then came the part about those bad guys who spread the lie that Jesus' disciples had stolen Jesus' body. Jeffrey knew that those men were big liars because Jesus had risen from the dead. He remembered the story about those disciples on the road to Emmaus who met Jesus after he arose from the dead. He remembered that other story too about the disciple Thomas who refused to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead but changed his mind when he saw Jesus with the holes from the nails still in his hands. When Dad finished reading, little Jeffrey repeated the last sentence, as he always did, along with his older sister Caitlin and his younger brother Andrew. They said together after Dad, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What did Jesus mean when he said that? asked Caitlin. Yeah. Said Jeffrey, because isn't Jesus in heaven now? But mommy told me yesterday that Jesus lives in my heart. 
said little Andrew. Well, brothers and sisters, perhaps you've had conversations like this at home. I hope you do that in your families. Have conversations like this. Talk about the Bible reading. Ask questions of your dad and mom. Search the Bible. Dad and mom don't always have the answer. But then they can help you find the answer in the Bible. It's there. That's precisely these kinds of questions that Lord's Day 18 deals with. I think you would probably agree with me that of all the Lord's Days in the Catechism, Lord's Day 18 is probably one of the toughest ones. I'm sure the Catechism students among us will agree. It's a tough one to learn, isn't it, young people? Lord's Day 18, especially question and answer 48. Phew, that's a tough one. When we read this question and answer, we wonder why it's here. What what purpose does it serve other than to confuse us? But actually, brothers and sisters, Lord's Day 18 helps us to wrestle with some of the most common questions that arise in our minds. The questions like Jeffrey, Caitlin, and Andrew asked Dad and Mom at at the dinner table. Lord's Day 18 helps us through these simple questions like, where is Jesus? And if Jesus promised to be with us always, then why did He ascend into heaven? Why did He go away? That's why Lord's Day 18 is important. There are people, though, who disagree, even theologians. One scholar writing about the Heidelberg Catechism asked why the church should, I quote, confuse the minds of children and common people with such scholastic distinctions. Well, I think children and common people are pretty smart. And they can wrestle with these distinctions as much as any scholar can. There is indeed reason for this question. When the Catechism was written, this was a hot issue. There were Lutherans who were teaching that Christ's human nature is present everywhere. This is called the ubiquity of Christ. You know that word of ubiquity? Kind of a neat word, isn't it? Ubiquity. When something is ubiquitous, that means that it's, it's everywhere. If there are weeds, if the weeds are ubiquitous in your lawn, that means they're everywhere in your lawn. So if His divine nature is ubiquitous, it means that it's present everywhere. Something is ubiquitous, it is everywhere. I used to live in southern Alberta, and there, tumbleweed is ubiquitous, as you'll know if you've been there. That means it's everywhere. Tumbleweed, tumbleweed, everywhere. I was trying to think of something that's ubiquitous in B.C. The only thing I could think of was traffic. Point is, when something is ubiquitous, it's everywhere. So when the Lutherans taught that Christ's body is ubiquitous, they taught that Christ's body is everywhere. And then they said of His divine nature, they reasoned if His divine nature is present everywhere, then His human nature must be too. That's why they also have a slightly different view of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. 
Because if his divine, if his human nature is ubiquitous, that must mean that the bread and the wine actually somehow change. It's not transubstantiation like the Roman Catholics, but consubstantiation. It's, it's, as the Lutherans would say, the body of Christ is in, with, and under the elements of bread and wine. But okay, we're not going to get into that this afternoon. We don't want to get more confused. But anyway, Scripture nowhere teaches that Jesus' human nature is ubiquitous, that it is everywhere. And that's why the writers of the Catechism spent some time working this question out. With respect to His humanity, they said, He is no longer present with us. In other words, with His body, He isn't on earth anymore. Little children, you can't go to the Lord Jesus as the little children could in the days when Jesus was on earth. You can't sit on His knee. You can't receive His embrace as the children did when Jesus was living on earth. Scriptures clearly teach that in His body, Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven. The disciples saw it with their own eyes. They saw Jesus' body go up from the earth. They saw the cloud envelop Jesus' body and take Jesus out of their sight. It's clear from Acts 1. And this is something that Jesus had told the disciples would happen. Even before he died on the cross, Jesus had told his disciples that he was going to have to, he's going to have to leave them. He told them, I'm going away. He said to them, as we read in John 16, I'm going back to him who sent me. And on the day of his resurrection, do you remember what Jesus told Mary Magdalene? We don't read that in Matthew's account. We read it in the other gospels. While Mary was clutching his feet, he said to her, don't hold on to me. And then he told her, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jesus had told the same to all the disciples. How then could he promise his disciples that he would be with them always to the very end of the age? Was he fooling them? Of course he was not. Jesus doesn't play nasty tricks on his disciples. He tells the truth. When Jesus had told the disciples before his death that he had to go away from them, they were terribly upset. John tells us that they were filled with grief, as we read. Then notice what Jesus added. He said to them, it is for your good that I am going away. Now how was it good for the disciples and how is it good for us then that Christ has gone away? Catechism mentions three things in answer 49. First it says, He is our advocate in heaven before His Father. Christ's presence in heaven is a great advantage for us because there in heaven Christ is busy on our behalf. There in heaven, Christ is pleading with the Father for us all the time. We're told in Hebrews 9 that Christ entered heaven in order to appear for us in God's presence. 
We're told elsewhere in Hebrews that Christ entered into heaven And there in God's presence, He's always interceding for us. He's always praying for us. Do you know what this means for you and for me? It means that at any given moment, Jesus is praying for us. Before the Father. It's not that the Father is reluctant or hesitant to pardon us, but because Christ is present before the Father, always pleading our cause, we can be sure that there is no sin in our lives which God is not willing to pardon. Satan, as you know, is called the accuser in the Bible. That's what Satan means. It's a Hebrew word. Satan is a Hebrew word that means accuser. That means that he's he's always there before God's throne, accusing us, trying to convince the Father that we deserve to be punished with, with eternal death, just like he was doing against Job. But when Satan does that, when he accuses us, then Jesus Christ right away comes to our defense. And whenever Jesus makes a case whenever He makes His defense for us before God's throne, He always wins the case. Jesus has never lost a legal battle before God's throne. But Satan loses every time. What does that mean? Well, it means that whenever you ask forgiveness, then Jesus says to the... Father, forgive her. Father, I have paid for her sins. It's just like John says in 1 John 2, verse 1, if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, He's our defense lawyer, our mediator. He never loses a case. Isn't that amazing? Satan accuses us. Not only before God's throne, of course, but also in our faith. Satan tells us, especially when we've fallen into sin, especially when we're down, Satan says, he whispers into our conscience, you are such a sinner that you have no chance of being forgiven. Forget it, man. You're done. Have you ever felt that way, brothers and sisters? Have you ever felt so guilty about your your sins and so dirty, so conscience-stricken, so bad that you think that there's no way you can be forgiven? Well, that's Satan. It's the accuser trying to trip you up. But while he's doing that, remember that Christ is pleading for you before God's throne and that he invariably wins his case because he's died for you and he is with you. Lo, I am, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. There a Greek word is used, the very simple Greek word, one of the first words that a, a Greek student learns. The word Amy. 
I am. Present indicative active. We have some Greek students here, so got to go into that. I promised I would one day, next time I preach in the language. Present indicative active, aiming to be. I am with you always in the present. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Christ is with you, brothers and sisters. He's not only there before God's throne, always constantly pleading your case. He's standing at your side. And when Satan whispers to you, you're done, man. Give up, kid. Don't listen. Listen to your Lord Jesus reminding you, I am with you always. Never forget it. Kids, teenagers, never forget it. Brothers and sisters, that's God's promise to you. That is the promise of your Lord Jesus Christ. He is with you. What is the second benefit that the Catechism mentions? Second, we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that He, our head, will also take us, His members, up to Himself. We have our flesh in heaven. Listen to what Jesus promised His disciples when He told them that He would be going away. He said to them He was going to prepare a place for them. And then He promised them, I will come back and take you to be with Me that you also may be where I am. We have our flesh in heaven. How can that be? Well, soon you're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper again, right? As a congregation. And what are you told? You are told that Not only is this the body and blood of Christ, but you are told that you are that body. Christ is your head. You are His body. And that means when Christ, your head, is in heaven, you too have your flesh in heaven. Isn't that beautiful, brothers and sisters? Jesus has gone away from us. But He's gone away from us to prepare a place where we will be with Him always. And our place in heaven is so sure that Paul can tell us in Ephesians 2 that we are already seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Our flesh is in heaven. Your flesh, by faith, your flesh is in heaven already. You're not going to heaven. You're already there. Jesus has gone ahead of us into heaven to get our place ready. It's like when you go camping in the summer, as many of you have. Dad goes on ahead to get a camping spot. He calls back home and he says, I've got a spot for us. So then you can say, we've got a spot. We've got a campsite. It's yours. You can already begin thinking about all the wonderful things that you can do while you're camping. What does all this mean for us, brothers and sisters? It means that we don't have to fear death. Jesus will be waiting to welcome us into His Father's house. This means that no matter how out of place, how lonely we feel in this world, we know that in heaven there is a place for us. In heaven there's room for us. And not only that, but also we may know that Jesus is longing for the day when you 
will come into his father's house. He can't wait till you arrive. Do you long to be with Jesus in your father's house? Pray for his spirit to work that longing in your heart and to keep it alive. There's a third reason that Christ's ascension is good for us. He sends us his spirit as a counter pledge by whose power we seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God and not the things that are on earth. Unless I go away, Jesus said, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Christ's presence in heaven then is the guarantee that there's a place for us, then His Spirit whom He sends upon us is a double guarantee. The 200% guarantee. The Spirit helps us long for heaven. The Spirit helps us to long for being united with Christ in His Father's presence. The Spirit helps us to seek the things that are above. But now what about Jeffrey's question? Didn't Christ keep His promise? For after Jesus ascended into heaven, the angels told the disciples that He would would come back the same way as He went. And if He's coming back sometime in the future, that means that He must be gone now. As a matter of fact, Peter said in one of his sermons that Christ must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore all things. Well, the Catechism has the answer for us. It tells us in answer 47, Christ is true man and true God. With respect to His human nature, He is no longer on earth, but with respect to His divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, He is never absent from us. When Christ went into heaven, He sent His Spirit. In fact, as we saw in John 16, that was one of Christ's great goals in ascending to heaven, that He might send us His Holy Spirit. And so that He could be present in all our hearts. So that He could be in Langley and in Cloverdale and on Prince Edward Island and in China, and in Russia, and in the Sudan. Remember, Christ hasn't just gone away. He's ascended into heaven. As you will see next week in Lord's Day 19, He is seated at God's right hand. He ascended from the earth so that He could take His throne, which is the highest place of honor in all the universe. He needed to ascend into heaven just outside of Jerusalem. He needed to ascend into heaven because He is king not only over Jerusalem and Palestine, He is ruler over all the earth. He is ruler over the entire universe. So that's where He belongs. In heaven, at God's right hand, ruling over all things from His throne. From there, He sends His Holy Spirit. No, He's no longer present among us with His body. But by His Spirit, He is with us always. Little Andrew was right. Jesus lives 
in our hearts by His Spirit. With His Spirit, He promises to be present with us always, even to the very end. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Jeffrey and Caitlin had a good question. Jesus did go away. His body isn't here anymore. It can only be one place, one time. With His body, He's in heaven. Just as He had told His disciples, in a little while, you will see Me no more. And then after a little while, you will see Me. Christ ascended into heaven. That's what we confess. He's gone away. He's gone to heaven where He's busy getting things ready for our arrival, where He's busy pleading our case before the Father, day in, day out. Where He's busy making sure that Satan doesn't get his way, that he doesn't win the legal battle for our souls. And in the meantime, while He's doing that, He's still dwelling in our hearts by His Spirit. Believe that. Believe it, young people. Believe it when you face temptations. Believe it when you're discouraged. Believe it when you're challenged, when you're accused by Satan. Believe it, children. Believe it, children of God. Then, after a little while, you will see Him. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.